You already got your shower in, didn't you? What's up, baby? Yeah, of course I did. That away. That away. Got. Oh, I love it. I'm reading it uh, backward. That's why it took me a little while. Yeah, I don't understand why like this can't just show it the right way. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm just happy you're here. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy we're starting out baseball today. Thanks everybody that is joining us today live or you know, maybe a little bit later down the road on however you consume your podcast or our YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. A couple of things. I'm wearing the Pirates hat today because it is Roberto Clemente Day. Very special day around baseball. In addition to that, a super shout out to one of my outstanding co-hosts on the Rose Rotation, Miguel Rojas, who is the Roberto Clemente nominee for the Miami Marlins. And it is so well-deserved. I had a chance to, chance to uh, call Miggy and just tell him how proud I was. It's... Um, he really is a wonderful, wonderful human being and makes such a difference in that Miami community, Bluth. I like, every time I hear him speak, I'm shocked at just like how good of a person he is. Right? It's, it's crazy, you know. Um, not everyone's like that, okay? Like there's some, some people that aren't like that. Miggy is one of the good guys, so I like, I like that he got that nomination. It means a lot for people that do get that nomination. Yes. Uh, and I know especially to a guy like him it does. Yeah, he also is uh, the, was the winner of the Miami Heart and Hustle Award, so yeah, two for one. I mean, we know he's, he's such a good dude. And on top of that, it's really interesting because the Clemente Award is held in such high prestige in this sport. In the other sport I work in, in the NFL, it's the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And I work with two guys who have won that award, Kurt Warner and LaDainian Tomlinson, both of whom are Hall of Famers, both of whom won regular season MVPs. They say the Walter Payton Man of the Year means more to them than the MVPs that they won. And I think a lot of people in baseball who have been dumb recipients of the Roberto Clemente Award probably feel the same way about it. Yeah, I mean, one of your jobs when you do have a platform and you do have the ability to do so is to help people less fortunate than you. And, you know, these guys are going above and beyond, obviously, and you just got to tip your cap to them. Yeah, it's awesome. Let's start talking a little baseball. Second straight night, we had a team from the National League West, West clinch a playoff berth. Uh, Dodgers won and got the necessary help in order to make their ninth straight postseason. True or false, if they don't lift the commissioner's trophy at the end of the day, this is a failed season. I, true. It's true. For anybody else, maybe not. because like, They've gone through so many players, Chris. I believe they've used more players than they've ever used in a single season this year. So to battle that and still be where they're at, that's, that's a win in itself. But for the Dodgers, like you said, it's nine straight times. They've won the division eight, to eight straight years in a row, uh, trying to win at their ninth. It's World Series or bust for a couple of different reasons. One, for what I just mentioned, they've done it so often. Now it's like – the novelty is kind of worn off for them to getting in the postseason for most of them, at least. Uh, but also last year, they didn't really get a real world series celebration. There wasn't a parade in LA. There wasn't mm -hmm. like that. So I think that's, they would love to go back to back because they want to celebrate like that. This team is so good that it has to be their expectation to win the world series. And I think if you ask anybody in there, they said, yeah, we're happy to make the postseason. Uh, but it's, it is World Series or bust for us. I, I do think the perception is, yes, it is a failed season if they don't win it in back-to-back -back years. But here's why it's not. This is the hardest sport to win the championship in. It is. 
they could end up winning 102 games and have to play in a one-game do-or-die. One game. No other sport does one game not tell the story. Like in football, you only have one game. That's it. Yeah. One game a week. That's all we can play. In an NBA series, the best players are going to dominate. Nothing ever changes. Like, you still use the same eight-man rotation in the playoffs, and the same best three players are dominating your game, most likely. In baseball, the most important player changes every day of a series. Mm -hmm. So even if they get past the wild card round, if they're in it, then the next day, now granted, they've got better pitching than most teams. But still, they're always changing something. And it's why we have now gone the longest time in the history of having the World Series without a repeat champion. Who was it, the Yankees? Yankees when they won three in a row from 98 through 2000. Yeah, I thought it was pretty telling last night. They talked about how they celebrated. You know, you saw the Giants. They clinched a postseason spot. They did the real celebration. Right. You know, the Dodgers did a champagne toast. Mm -hmm. Very classy of them. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they Turner said he wanted to make sure that, you know, some guys have never had this opportunity before, so he right. wanted to recognize the moment, but the work is still in front of them. Yeah. So that's, that's very telling to me how they're feeling in that clubhouse. Yep, it is. All right, uh, let's move up. Can you believe that five weeks ago, the St. Louis Cardinals were eight and a half back of the wild card chase and an afterthought, and they wake up today on September 15th and they are the current holder of the second wild card seed right now. So scale of one to five, what is your confidence level that in two and a half weeks later, they will still be the number two seed? <sighs> I mean, if you've been watching at all, like you can't be too confident in any team in the NL wild card except for the Dodgers. So I'm going to give them a two and a half. I'm going to go 50-50 for them. And I think it's only two teams right now. Honestly, I think the Padres are going to be are done. I think the Mets are done. I think it's I think it's you, Cardinals and Reds. You think the you think the Padres are toast, huh? I do. I do. Woo! Their schedule is really tough. I'm I'm, I'm kind of sick about talking about schedules, but if you I look, Cardinals play Milwaukee and the Cubs basically the rest of the way. They do also play the Padres because that's, so that's very telling. Uh, unfortunately, they're only ten and seventeen against those three teams. So that's not great. They've been playing betters of late, so that could totally change. The Reds, mm -hmm. they play like Washington and Pittsburgh, and they're right there. So the Reds are the Reds are still in it, I believe. Yeah, but we've been waiting. The Red it has been there for the taking for the Reds for the last three weeks, and they have not taken it and and ran with it. For everybody, I don't get it, man. So like for me to say I'm more more than two and a half out of five confident in any of these teams would be a lie. Like, I'm not confident in any of them. I'm happy it's this way. It's going to make for a hell of a last week of the season. Uh, but, man, it's just tough to, to call it right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I said about the Padres. What was it, a week ago? I was like 30 or 40%. Oop. I'm going to have to – we're we're going down on that one. Sorry, that is – it's – I don't know what's going on. Yeah, the Cardinals are the only team. And last night, by the way – was last night the evening the Mets season ended? I, I've called. I've been saying they're dead for two weeks now, three weeks yeah, now. Dude, they had the bases loaded and Lindor up with one out, and Goldschmidt makes that amazing double play. Like you could feel the season end on that play almost. Can I be a hater for a second? Sure can. 
It was a timely play. It wasn't like an amazing play. No, 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 but it was a good, good play. It was, it, he's a very good defender, and there was – the point – I guess my point is there was zero hesitation in what he yeah. was doing. He had thought the play through, and you know this. Not everybody does. You're right. Well, Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Yachty, they obviously are going to make that play. They know that you can't get a guy in a rundown. Pilar did the right thing. I mean, I guess he could have held back a little bit closer to the bag, but you're supposed to take off right away in a situation like that. Totally. Very tough read for him. Um, but, yeah, the Mets, they just have – I mean, there's been so many of these teams that just haven't snatched the opportunity. Yep. I would go three out of five, I think, with the Cardinals. But it's funny because I know Ken Rosenthal just wrote a column on it, but we all kind of snickered when they picked up a pair of veteran lefties in Leicester and Hap at the trade deadline. We're like, what are you guys doing? Like, what's you're trying to increase the average age on your team or what's happening? You know, all of a sudden you get a couple of guys who have pitched in big games down the stretch and oh, oh boy, it's gotten interesting. Salvador Perez. Some people have said, why aren't you talking about him enough? We have talked about him occasionally, but now he really deserves it. Hit his 43rd bomb last night, helped the Royals destroy the A's yet again. God, I don't know what's happened out in Oakland. Now has 43 bombs. Mm -hmm. Only Johnny Bench has more in a single season by a guy who primarily played catcher. Where's Salvi in the AL MVP race right now? He's probably like fifth. Six, something like that. I mean, it's a very, very good season. There's just people that are having better seasons in front of him. That's not to take away from what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I've said for a long time, I think Salvi's going to have a statue outside of Kauffman Stadium. He's meant that much to the organization. If not a statue, without a doubt, his number's getting retired. He might go, Chris, fi finish this contract out, and then just become the manager. Like, that's how much he means to the freaking Royals. If he wants to do that, he can. Uh, he, yeah, you said a couple of home runs away from Johnny Bench for the all-time mark as a catcher. That's really cool for him. And Coffin Stadium is not an easy place to hit a home run. That's not a launching pad. No, not yeah. at all. Fact, so, you get there and you're, you're pissed that you're playing there, but he's made it seem really easy to this year. So we, we both agree Otani, Vlad, Simeon are all definitely ahead of him. Then you get into like – Who's been the best player on the White Sox? Like, they've all had – guys have had really good seasons, but not MVP-type-ish seasons. Uh, I would say it's possible Correa could be in that mix. Um, Aaron Judge could be in that mix. Mm -hmm. So, yes, here's the interesting thing. The Royals have had one player finish in the top five of the AL MVP voting in the last 30 years. Do you know who it is? Brett Sabrehagen? No, it's a, it's a good guess, but he's still playing today. Yes, but not with the Royals. Mm. Think about their good World Series teams. Well, yeah, I'm thinking Hosmer or Moose, but they didn't do it, so. Who's the other guy? Locaine, bro. Oh, really? Yeah, he finished third in 2015. Here's the other amazing part. In the last 30 years, the Royals have had only three other guys finish in the top 10 of the AL MVP voting. Cohn, when he won the Cy Young in 94, finished ninth. Gary Gaetti, who I didn't even remember all that well as a Royal third baseman, finished like 10th in 95. And then Carlos Beltran finished ninth, I think, in 03. Okay. So they don't have a long history, at least recent history, of guys who have competed for this award. I think he finishes fifth, and it'll be a tip of the cap to that guy. One of the real good dudes.
Someone in the chat just wrote the other guy we forgot, Cedric Mullins. Oh, good one. Yeah. Yeah, he's had such a good year. But there's one thing to not be on a to be on a non contender like Otani. To be on maybe the worst team in baseball and still get top five MVP votes. That's I think that's tough. It's not his fault. <laughs> no, it's not. It's I'm not saying it. I'm just saying I don't think I think people will look at it and be like, I feel funny writing an MVP vote for a guy who's going to be on a team that wins 50 games. That's all. In Ota what are the Angels? They're under 500, aren't they? Way under 500. They've had no chance. It's the Angels, Orioles, all these teams, all the same at the end of the day. It don't matter if you lose 100 games, okay. you lose 90 games. It's the same thing. So let's talk about a team that it is winning. The Tampa Bay Rays just got their American League leading 90th win yesterday. Kudos to them. Will they be the American League favorite once October starts? They have to be. Oh, they, they have to be, Chris. I mean, I, you can say the White Sox. You know, like, I mean, I don't know who else you can say. You're not going to say, like, the Yankees. Astros? Been, not the Astros either. I think it has to be the Rays. And you kind of, like, look at what they're doing. We all said they lost the trade uh, with Willie Adamas when they got Fire Eisen and Rasmussen. But Rasmussen has been, like, pretty much, like, not their savior down the stretch, but he's been that good for them. He's like a legitimate starter for them, for a team that, you know, kind of needs some starters. They, they approach the pitching differently. We know that. But he's been a guy that's going to give them five innings every single time. So they just keep finding guys and putting them in the right situations. I think they have to be the favorites in the AL. The way they play defense, the way they can pitch and match up, and then they're, they're – their offense is sneaky, sneaky good. It's crazy to me. I don't – when I think of the Rays, I don't think offense. But go ahead and look at their baseball reference. Yeah. A bunch of guys to bang. Yes, it's very good. Um, it's weird because they strike out a ton, but they also hit a ton of homers. They're kind of middle of the pack and on-base percentage. But some other categories, they're top ten. And, um, yeah, I think their offense is going to have to do some damage in the postseason. I just think they – and the thing that scares me is that when you strike out that much – it leaves little margin of error. When you're not putting the ball in play in the postseason where every 90 feet is important, that scares me a little bit. I did go through, and I always love looking at who's starting games these days for the Tampa Bay Rays. Patino, who's been great since he's been elevated to that role. Yarbrough, who's been steady all season long. Somehow Michael Walker's still in there. Good for him. And then, this is amazing. Dietrich ends who's been an opener for them. Like, he goes three innings, maybe four sometimes. He's pitched pretty well over the last month. Like, Dietrich ends, if they get to a five-game series, he's going to start a game in the playoffs. He's going to be an opener. It's just wild. And you know what that does to a team? When you're, when you're game planning for the Rays, it's like you can't – you're never going to face a starter three times. You're not going to face any pitcher more than twice. And most of the time you're going to face a guy one time, and that's it's tough to game plan for a team like that. Mm -hmm. It is. I'll tell you this about their offense, Chris. Hmm. OPS plus, third in all of baseball. It's very good. Ahead of yep. the way. It's very good. I get it. I get it. They're, fun. They're, they're really an interesting team to watch. They are. They're fascinating. Um. Last one here. Max Muncy used an Albert Pujols bat to go deep last night, two days after Justin Turner did the same thing. <laughs> now, I thought you guys were so protective of your lumber in there. Do you, do you have any weird stories like this? 
first, I love that they're using Albert's bat. You know there's a lot of hits in those bats. So good for them. Um, I was not that way. I was very much – I stayed with what I use. I used the same bat pretty much my entire professional career, even in the minor leagues. Give me the model. I love hearing you guys talk dirty about the models. Max bat, 118, 34 inches, 32 ounces. It's basically basically a Louisville Slugger M110, so you have like oh. a bigger handle, uh, normal size barrel, uh, weight distributed pretty evenly. So I like that a lot. Uh, but yeah, I, I was not a guy that switched bats, but there are some people that do that. If you know, if a guy's bat feels good to you and BP, might as well take it out there. Okay. And guys don't get freaky. Like, what are you doing grabbing my? Oh, I have a zillion bats. So you can here take this one. Take this one. Got it. In uh, fact, I remember you what? actually left your bat over here. This thing's pretty sweet. Like, do you want it back? Like. It's a little light for me, but for you, like, kind of scrawny, I think this is perfect for you. There, I'll show you that this is the one I use. The, uh, the big old mambo jumbo. <laughs> That's better for you. Yeah, I have a hard time getting it around, but it is great when we're talking about bunts. <laughs> you know, you can really put it directional use just about anywhere. Love so it. There you go. Love I do remember a couple years ago, Francisco Lindor like broke his bat on consecutive pitches or something in a game. So they gave him uh, a Belmonte's bat and he went deep and he looked right in the dugout and threw the bat back. And everybody's like, why is he showboating? And nobody knew the story until after the game. I have, I have a good story about bats just real quick. Um, spring training game, Carlos Gomez, who is just, you know, a lightning bolt, right? Like he's, mm -hmm off the charts we had a big bat bag and one of the bats was like what you're holding a yeah. massive heavy weighted bat probably weighed 45 ounces or something like that you know it was meant to warm up with and do some things in the cage he picked it up and said oh feels good i shit you not chris he took that bat up to the plate and hit a home run with it, <laughs> it I, everyone just bursted out laughing it was crazy dude like you i could barely swing the thing around you know, without hurting myself, he took it up to the plate and hit a homer. Dude, the next time, listen, when Teddy's ready for his first little league card, you know, the one where they pose, <laughs> he wants to borrow this bat. Let me oh. know. This is unbelievable. What do you have coming up on John Boy today? Oh, my God, this is like a lifting session for me. <laughs> we have our uh, Talking Baseball episode premiering this morning. We talk about players who can really change their season for better or for worse in the last two weeks. Uh-huh. Dive into some guys is pretty fun, uh, and that's it. I got I got baseball practice tonight, man. So I hope to see you there five o'clock. Yeah, I'm sorry, gotta pick up my uh, my son for practice. Okay, what do you got? Um, so we uh, take Trevor May. That'll be available tomorrow. It was fascinating. He took us through everything on nine eleven about his emotions being there, all the pageantry, um, and then what he called the worst outing of his career. He's had worse outings in terms of hits, runs, but why it hurt him so much. And it was really interesting. We talked a lot about what the Mets have gone through the last few weeks, everything from the thumbs down. Uh, it was a lot of open discussion about what it's like to be booed as much as they've been booed and he's been booed. You know, we just think we don't – we wash it off because we can change the channel, flip to a different game. He can't. And it was really, really 
interesting stuff. So that's coming your way tomorrow. Yeah. That's Love. all I got. Got noise behind me, so I, I muted my mic. Oh, okay. But you you uh, nodded your head like you knew what I was saying. I was listening to you. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Oh, do we have the, uh, not the gardeners today? Can you hear it now? Love you guys. Oh, yeah, we can hear it. All right, we'll see everybody uh, Thursday, 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Pacific, right here on Baseball Today. Have an amazing baseball day, and I'm going to, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to put this bat back where it belongs, but I'm going to figure <laughs> <laughs> Quite a model, this thing. Bye, guys. Have a great day. Have a great day.